All right. Uh, w- welcome, those of you who have just turned in. Uh, I will say, or tuned in rather, uh, I will say that tonight's going to be a little bit different for those watching online because of some things that we have planned. But I hope you'll stay with us and, and hopefully benefit from this also. Let me tell you where we're heading this fall. Uh, just kind of a commercial for a moment. Uh, let me tell you where we're heading this fall. Um, tonight's going to be what I call a standalone Bible study. Uh, that is, it's not part of a series, it's just one individual study. And I'll tell you what we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes. Next Wednesday night, Lord willing, we're going to talk about how to summarize the Bible in 30 minutes. I am really looking forward to that study. How to summarize the Bible in 30 minutes. I want to encourage you maybe to use your circles of influence and tell others in your BSF class or your friends or whoever uh, about the study next week. Now, the, the very fact that I gave it that title means that I'm going to have pressure, right? Because what if I go 35 minutes? You know, I said the title is How to Summarize the Bible in 30 Minutes. But I'm going to do my best to honor the title. But I really believe that uh, once we have this time together and you see how you can summarize the entire Bible in a brief period of time, It's going to help you to understand the Bible as you're reading through it. It's going to help you as you teach the Bible. It's going to give you a bigger picture. And we've done things somewhat like this before, but this is totally different. This is totally new. Uh, It's it's an approach that, that I think will bring great clarity in your mind to what the Bible is all about. I really believe it's going to bring clarity to your mind about what the story of the Bible is all about. So that's next Wednesday night. Uh, how to summarize the Bible in 30 minutes. Please encourage other people to come be a part of that. And then in October, beginning in October, in October and going into November, we're going to do seven weeks, uh, a seven-week study called Nagging Questions. Nagging Questions you have about God and the Bible and, and uh, some very important questions, especially in our culture and our uh, world that we're living in today. So we're going to talk about nagging questions, a seven-week study uh, beginning in October. Now, tonight we're going to have a study, and I'll tell you the title in just a moment, but before we get into the study, I need to ask for your help. Maybe I should say I need to ask for your cooperation. All right, so we're going to kind of pretend we're in a small group setting. We're in a Uh, you know, like a BSF class kind of a scenario rather than a sanctuary. And I really need your your participation. Now, if you want to just sit there, you can just sit there, okay? I'm giving you permission. If you want to just sit there, then I'm glad that you're here and I'm not going to make you do anything. But if you're willing to help out, you know, make your pastor happy, (laughs) Uh, then participate and be a part of be a part of it. Here's what I want you to do. It's very simple. Uh, I want you, if your birthday is in the months of January, February, March, or May, those first four months, if your birthday is in the first four months of the year, I want you to go sit over here and towards the front, if you will. If your birthday is the next four months, May, June, July, August, I want you to sit right here in this section, again, moving towards the front. And if your birthday is the the last four months, September, October, November, December, I want you to sit in this section, again, towards the front, okay? So let's get up and move if you feel like it.
Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's good. Now, if you want to go with your spouse, go with your spouse. That's fine. That's not a problem. Oh, I appreciate it. No, I said January, February, March, and April over there. Yeah. Because I'm in April. I wouldn't forget that one. <laughs> all right. First of all, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. This group did the best right here as far as sitting down towards the front. Appreciate that. Uh, but at least you moved around. So here, let's, let me remind you, January, February, March, and April. May, June, July, August. September, October, November, December. Everybody good? Okay. I just want to make sure you're in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> just want to make sure you're in the right place. All right? Now, it's interesting, though, that it's kind of almost equal. Not quite over here, but it's, it's pretty close. Uh, so, so that's good. Now, here's what I want you to do. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about the heartaches of life. The heartaches of life. We're going to study a passage of Scripture. And uh, before I tell you what that passage is, I've got a question I want you to talk about in your groups. All right? The question that, I'm, that I want you to talk about in your groups is this. What is your go-to text in the Bible when you're discouraged? Or to say it another way, when life is hard, where do you turn in the Bible? When life's hard and difficult and you just need an encouraging word from the Lord, what's your text? What's your go-to text? All right, Talk about it with somebody nearby. It doesn't have to be the whole group, but just people nearby. Talk about it. All right, we, do, we don't need to take a long time with that, but you've got some ideas now. And what I like to do is make a list of some of them. We probably can't record all of them. But this will be an important list. I would encourage you maybe to jot down some of these because it might be an encouraging word you'll need later on. So it's good to have a list of encouraging texts, if you will. So let's make ourselves a list. What's your go-to text? I'm going to start with group number one. Over here, what's your go-to text when you're discouraged? Anybody? First Thessalonians 5.18. We're not going to read all these. I'm just trying to make a list. Thank you. So the next one, group two. Psalm 34.18. Group three. Twenty-six, four. All right. 
All right, let's go to group one again. Yes. Group two. Jeremiah 33.3. All right. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. All right, let's have at least one more from every group. Group 1. Say it again, please. Uh huh. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Right? All right, group 2. <laughs> okay. Is there. A chapter of okay. Alright, it's all good. First John, alright. Hebrews four sixteen. And so to be balanced, I need one more here. Somebody give me one. Romans eight eighteen. Is that what you said? Huh? Alright. Alright. Seriously now, this is a good list for you to write down. You know, in those times when you have a hard day, and you need an encouraging word, uh, what's your go-to thing? Well, you may have a particular verse, but it'd be good for you to have a list of some other encouraging words as well. Now, the one thing that you did not put on the list is the scripture that we're going to be studying tonight. And I thought somebody might, and that's fine, it it doesn't matter. But the text we're going to be looking at tonight is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And so here's what I want to do. Um, I want you to open God's Word, and I want you to look at the text with me in a kind of a big format. And then we're going to start... Uh, talking about the text together. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Now, here's what I want to call to your attention. Verses 1 and 2 kind of is the introduction, if you will, to, to the entire book. Then verses 3 through 7 is the next paragraph. If you look at your Bible, one of the things I encourage you to do when you're reading the text is to look for paragraphs and to break down the chapter into paragraphs and try to understand the concepts in that paragraph before you move to the next paragraph. Well, in some Bibles it's easier to see than others, but uh, verses 3 through 7 form a paragraph. And then verses 8 through 11 is the third section or another paragraph. So the first two verses, introduction to the book, Verses 3 through 7, the first paragraph. Verses 8 through 11, the the second paragraph. Now, here's what I want want you to do. I want us to read this. And I'm going to give an assignment. Remember, y'all write this down, what I give you, okay? In group 1, I need somebody to read. This will be very easy. Somebody to read verses 1 and 2. Not yet, but I need somebody to read verses 1 and 2. In group 2, I need you to read verses 3 through 7. 
And remember those, those verses because you're going to be coming back to it a couple times tonight. And then in group 3, I want you to read verses 8 through 11. And so we're going to read this out loud. All right, So I'm not just asking you to read it privately as a group, but I need somebody from your group to read that text and your group somebody from your group. All right, So find the assigned reader or somebody volunteer, however you're going to do it. We just need to read the whole text. And when, when you read it, I need you to read it out loud so we all can hear it nice and loud. All right, y'all ready? You got your readers? Anybody picked a reader over here? Y'all picked a reader? Everybody's pointing to different people. All right, you got a reader? Y'all got a reader? Tom Wells. All right, y'all got a reader over here? Uh, okay. All right, so get your Bibles. We, get, we got our readers. Here we go. And we're not going to pause, so you just start and we'll go ahead go across. Amen. Thank you for reading that. Have you ever asked the question, why? I'm sure you have. That's a question that, that you know, rings across the centuries. It goes across every generation. Sooner or later, because of life and what we experience in life, or what we see others go through in life, sooner or later we always ask the question, Why? I was just thinking this week, and I'm, and I'm not going to divulge anything, but I was just thinking this week of the number of people that I know personally that are just going through tremendous problems. Things that I can't fully even explain. And you know about some of them, but you don't know about I mean, the, the list, the list is quite long, to be honest with you. Brad knows. And... and and I'm not saying this to be, to be um, I don't want you to feel like, oh wow, you know, poor Keith and Brad. But the list is heartbreaking. And you'd be surprised 
How many people have hard, difficult things that they're going through? And some of them don't have good explanations. So the why question is a very relevant question. And of course, we want an answer, but those don't come very often. So Paul is talking in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. As he begins his letter, it's interesting to me, as he writes to this church in Corinth, that he begins talking about the problems he's gone through. As he writes to this church in Corinth, he talks about the trouble he has endured. He sets the stage in the first 11 verses for the entire book. And and the things that he writes about in the first part of the book is the suffering he has endured. And that really sets the stage for what he wants to talk to us about. And, And Paul is going to make this case. I'll explain it this way. What happens to us definitely is important, but how we react to what happens to us is what really makes the difference. What happens to us is really important. You don't downplay it. You don't act like it's not a big deal. What happens to us is really important. But how we react to what happens to us is what really makes the difference. So Paul, as he writes to the church at Corinth, uh, he's writing about some things that were very difficult in his life. And and you'll see in just a moment as we kind of get deeper into the text how difficult it was for him. But I came across something, and this is not original with me. I I wish I knew who wrote this. I'd give them credit. But I came across something that I thought was just so good that I wanted to share with you tonight. And, And you might want to write this down. When hard times come, this person said, when hard times come, be a student, not a victim. When hard times come, be a student, not a victim. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Be a student. Not a victim. You see, a victim says, why did this happen to me? But a student says, what can I learn about what has happened to me? A victim believes that his hard times have come because God's trying to punish him. A student says, God is allowing hard things in order to help me grow. A victim believes that God has abandoned him, but a student says, I can see God's hand in everything, even in this worst moment of my life. Be a student, not a victim. I really think that's a very biblical position. And so with that in mind, I want to talk about these 11 verses and the affliction that Paul went through and how he became a student of what he was experiencing. And so you're broken up into three groups and we're going to study this in those groups. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give each of you an assigned text and then I'm going to give you an assignment about what to discuss. So listen carefully uh, for your group and and the assignment. Here's group one. Group one, I want you to read verses three through five. Then you all can discuss it together and summarize the two benefits of affliction that is found in these verses. Read verses 3 through 5, then summarize the benefits of affliction. And there's at least two of them. Okay? Alright, group 2, I want you to read verses 6 and 7. And I want you to answer this question. How many times do you see the word you 
in these verses. And how does suffering make you more aware of others' needs? How many times do you see the word you? And how does suffering make you more aware of others' needs? And then group three, I want you to read verses 8 through 10. And the questions I want you to answer are three, threefold. First of all, what kind of hardships do you think Paul went through? Now, I will tell you, group three, you guys are just going to have to either use your study Bibles or use your imagination because it's, the answer is not in the text, okay? But I want you to at least think about it. What kind of hardships do you think Paul went through? How bad were the hardships? And what, were the, what was the lesson he learned? What, what were the hardships? How bad were they? And what was the lesson that he learned? All right? So everybody go ahead and read your text, discuss it, and then I'm going to ask you to report to the group. Don't be afraid to talk, okay? Talk to people around you.
All right. And you've hopefully had some time to at least go over that in a preliminary way. And we'll discuss it a little bit more as we talk about it together. So in group one, uh, you had verses three through five. And the questions were, to summarize the two benefits of affliction in, that are described in these verses. First of all, let me read the verses to you. You follow along as I read verses three through five. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So group one, what the question was this, can you identify two benefits of affliction that Paul describes in those verses? God comforts us. All right, that's a good one. God comforts us. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. God comforts us. Um, to say it another way, we draw closer. To the Lord. And the reason I'm making that, that distinction is not just that God does something for us, but something happens in us when God gives us comfort. Uh, the best way maybe I can illustrate it is if you've got uh, a little child at home or you have grandkids or you remember when you had a little child, uh, when that child is sick and you're walking up and down the hallway, you know, they're, they're crying and they're not happy and they're they're feeling bad and they're feverish and, and, and you're doing everything that you can to comfort that child. Physically and emotionally, you are not just comforting that child, but you are so close to them, right? It's a tender, special moment that you're trying as best you can to express your love to them. You know that they don't feel good. You know that they're that they're scared. You know that whatever that they're upset. And so you're you're not just trying to comfort them. You really are drawing closer to them physically and emotionally. I really think God does that too. In fact, I want you to look for the word all in that text. I think it's in verse 3. It might be verses 3 and 4. Check me out. Do you see the word all? It's 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 twice. Uh it's listed twice. Let let me, let me find it. Uh, verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of not some comfort, the God of all comfort. And then watch what it says, who comforts us in some of our troubles. That's not what it says. But He comforts us in all of our troubles. That this God that we serve is so great, He is the God of all comfort, and He comforts us in all all of our troubles. And one of the benefits, none of us like affliction, by the way. I want to make sure I say that. None of us like affliction. None of us are going to volunteer for it. None of us are going to say, boy, I'm glad I'm going through. No, none of us, none of us are going to experience that. But there are some benefits that come in the midst of the pain. And one of the benefits that comes in the midst of the pain is that we draw closer to the Lord as we experience His comfort. And then the thing that's closely connected to that, and, and you all said it, not only does, 
does God comfort us when we draw closer to the Lord? But, but the second thing is, I'm trying to see how I worded it. Uh, it equips us. It equips us. That experience equips us to minister to others. And I'm going to run out of space. I can see that. Uh, it equips us, and I, I love this part of the verse. I have used this part of the verse over and over and over. This is one of the reasons I'm drawn to this text. It's one of my go-to texts. Because he says, look what, how he describes it. Uh, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So that we can, in turn, use the comfort we have experienced to go comfort somebody else who's going through a similar problem. Say that again. Elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've preached this text before. Um, and I, best I remember, I think I preached it at Anderson University. Turning your scars into your ministry, into your ministry. That God brings healing. You know what, what a scar is? A scar is a place that's been healed. And then God can use your scars as your ministry. You can tell others how God brought healing. And that, that's really what he's talking about here. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So we're not talking about secondhand knowledge. We're talking about something we have experienced. This is not just a TV preacher up there telling you to trust God. This is somebody who's gone through a similar experience. I said, I've, I found God to be faithful. And I found God's healing. And I found God's hope. And, and you know that they're just not talking empty language because they've gone through it. And now God says, okay, show others that same hope, that same healing. So, again, nobody wants to volunteer for affliction, but some of the good things that come out of it is that it equips us to minister to others. Let's move on to the second group, verses 6 and 7. Uh, and so group number 2 how many times do you see the word you in those two verses? Six. Is that what you, everybody got? Six? Okay, more or less? Okay. Okay, okay. All right, all right, very good. All right. How does suffering make you more aware of others' needs? Right. Yeah. Those are good answers. Let me read the text and let's talk about it for just a minute. Verses 6 and 7. Here's what Paul says. If we are distressed... And as I'm reading this, look for that word, you or your. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. 
And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Here, here's the point I want you to get from those verses. Afflictions do two things for us in this regard. It softens our heart towards others. It softens our heart towards others because we know what it was like. I, I hope you don't mind me pointing to you, Brad, but Brad knows what it's like to have cancer. And Brad knows what it's like to be healed of cancer. And so, here's what happens now. God can use that experience in Brad's life. And when he finds out somebody has the kind of cancer he had, guess what? His heart, I'm sure, is softened towards that person. But not only is his heart softened toward that person, but also this, uh, it's easier to pass along what you've experienced. It's easier to, uh, it's more believable, if you will. Uh, That's why some of the people that that you know, the famous names that you know, the thing that brought them to to the ministry that they're in was that they went through the problem. For example, do you know the name Joni Erickson Tada? And you know how she got started, right? She was paralyzed as a teenager. And that awful experience led her into this ministry. And so here's my point. It softens our hearts and it makes us more aware of those who have a similar need. It makes us more aware. softens our hearts and makes us more aware. You've got eyes for those that are going through a similar experience. All right, so before we run out of time, we've got to get to group three. Group three, you had verses eight through ten. What kind of hardships do you think Paul went through? How bad were they? And what was the lesson that he learned? Well, that's quite the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you repeat that again? <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. How bad were his problems? How bad were they? According to the text, how bad were they? Unbearable? Let's read the text. Let's let Paul tell us how bad they were. Here's what he says. We, don't, we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, some translations say. It means you're uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. Now, he doesn't detail for us the hardship, but Greg has just given us a good list. Uh, where'd you find that, Greg? <laughs> All right. So, so here's what Paul wrote. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, but you can Google it if you want to about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Notice, this is how hard it was. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Watch this. So that we despaired even of life. 
I'm reading that correctly. Paul said, there was a time I'm not sure I even wanted to live. There was a time things got so dark, I didn't want to keep going. I despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. That's how bad it was. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And there's the lesson that he learned. The third question I gave you guys. What was the lesson that he learned? He learned that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. So, here's the benefit. It empties us. Boy, that's an awful writing. Empties us of self-reliance. When there is affliction, one of the benefits that Paul talks about here is that it empties us of self-reliance. Paul describes it so vividly. We don't know the exact nature, though Greg gave us a very good picture uh, of what happened. But hard times teach us, really, that we need to trust in the Lord rather than just trying to trust in ourselves. It empties us of that self-reliance. Now, most of us, maybe even all of us, we're pretty good at handling the moderate problems of life, you know? If your car breaks down, if, uh, uh, if your kids are cranky, if you've got a bad cold, if, if work is kind of hard, you, we're pretty good at handling those kind of things. But you know and I know that sometimes we get knocked down by something, right? And that was Paul. He said, listen, I didn't even want to live. This is not your normal, moderate kind of a problem. He got knocked down by something. And it doesn't take but just a phone call to knock you down. And that's a lesson we have to learn over and over again. That sometimes when we cry out to God in desperation, one of the benefits of that is that it empties us of self-reliance. We stop saying, I can handle this. I got this. Now, there's a final thing, and this is not a group exercise. I just want to call it to your attention. There's a final thing uh, as far as the benefits. If I can write it here. It reveals the true power prayer. One of the benefits that comes through affliction, it reveals the true power of prayer. As we close out our section tonight, uh, let's go to verse 10 and then read verse 10 and especially verse 11. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us And on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. Uh, There's there's number three. It empties us of self-reliance. Notice the different tenses in verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us. And on Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. The different tenses there of God's deliverance and, and... Emptying ourselves of self-reliance. Then we come to verse 11. 
he talks about the nature of prayer. So he says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. So I broke that verse up. I want to read it one more time, beginning in verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. I love that phrase. As you help us by your prayers. Then he says, Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer. In answer to what, church? To the prayers of many. As you help us by your prayers. You might want to write down this little note. It's so simple but so powerful. Our prayers matter. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. It makes a difference whether or not we pray. Paul was saying, when I thought I was going to die, when I thought I was going to die, you prayed and God delivered me. When I thought I couldn't go anymore, you prayed and God brought me through it. Knowing that others are praying sometimes gives us the strength we need to go on. And knowing that others are praying is the encouragement we need to hold on to our faith. And knowing that others are praying is the... Is the the, the uh, strength that we need to keep believing. Through prayer, we unleash the power of heaven for the problems we endure on earth. Through prayer, we unleash the power of heaven for the problems we endure on earth. Somebody said, we will never know until we get to heaven how many times the prayers of others rescued us. I love that. When we get to heaven, it may very well, we may very well discover that we would have fallen except somebody prayed for us. Or, or we may discover in heaven that we would have given up, but somebody prayed for us. That somebody usually is a grandmother or a mother or father or friend. We get to heaven, we realize <laughs> we would have made a really stupid decision, but somebody prayed for us. When we get to heaven, we'll discover that we would have crumbled under the pressure Somebody prayed for us. We would have given up, but somebody prayed for us. We would have walked away, but somebody prayed for us. When it's all said and done, we don't know all that God has done through the prayers of His people. But one day I think we'll see that. Paul understood as he looked at the afflictions that he had gone through, Paul understood what God did in response to the prayers of His people. And so I'll close with this. <clears throat> there are people in your life who need the help only you can give. God might bring somebody across your path who needs the help only you can give. Because you've gone through what they're now going through. You found God faithful. You found, and it may not be the exact same thing, but you found God faithful. And they may come across your path that needs the help only you can give. Don't waste your pain. 
Use it to grow closer to the Lord and use it to help others. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for being here tonight.